Welcome to Harnessing Your Wealth with Billy Peterson. As the founder and CEO of Peterson Wealth Services and a former number one ranked jockey, Billy knows what it takes to succeed. In this podcast, Billy and his team will help equine enthusiasts, business owners, and retirees understand the keys to financial freedom. Saddle up and get ready for a ride you won't soon forget on how you can harness your wealth. Hello, and thanks for joining us once again. This is Harnessing Your Wealth. I'm Billy Peterson. Today, joining me is Cade Peterson. I want to say thanks, Cade, for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yep. We're going to talk a lot about risk. So topic of the day is risk, and it's pretty appropriate seeing what's going on in the market. As we are talking, today is the 21st of February. And of course, we have a sell-off underway. Markets are concerned about the Federal Reserve actions. We've been talking about the issues of bad news and good news and which one we actually want right now. You know, you want good news in the economy because everybody feels better, feels like there are jobs and people have incomes and people are spending. But with what we're dealing with, with inflation, as we all know, runaway inflation is a is a death knell for any economy. And you can go across uh, all, all the countries in the world who've ever dealt with it in a big way and their entire system collapses. And so the Federal Reserve knows how dangerous this is. Now, make no mistake, we feel like a lot of this was self-induced. And I've said that before, when you print trillions and trillions of new dollars that came out of thin air and he dumped those into the economy, why it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that you're going to eventually lead to increases in prices. And you shut down the economy, you print a lot of money, and then you get things back going again. And now we're dealing with how to extract all of that liquidity, all that capital. So the risk right now is how far will the Federal Reserve continue to raise interest rates? And every time we get positive news in the economy, the first thing that market participants and observers do is think Fed's going to have to keep going. And so that's why we talk about good news, bad news. We're actually in one of those weird places where bad news could be a good positive outcome for equities because economic data that's showing that it's slowing actually means the Fed's going somewhere with these rate hikes. We talked about housing, you know, Cade's dealing with housing and questioning about maybe buying a house and should congratulate him. By the way, he's getting married in July, so we will congratulate him and his bride-to-be, Morgan. But we wanted to make sure that people understand how how tepid the situation is with interest rates and where they're finally going to land. It's this tug-of-war, up, down, sideways. So there's risk in everything we do. Today, we're going to talk a lot about have having a risk score. Each person, each investor should have their own risk score and should know what that is and what it means. There's risk in everything you do in life, leaving your home and going to work every day, driving your car, getting on the subway. There's risk in not taking enough risk, to be honest with you. We see that all the time. People that come in to visit with us about 
putting money away and building up their retirement nest egg, but are just uncomfortable with any volatility and would rather see things in the safe havens of money market accounts or government bonds. And the problem with that is inflation takes all the gains away. So we're going to talk a lot more about that. Kate's going to get into the process we take clients through when we meet with a new client or an existing client, because every year we update those values. People's impressions can change their outlooks, their goals and objectives. Their personal situation changes over time. And so it's important to continue to monitor the risk score in a portfolio. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty common that people come in and, and they want to immediately talk investments. What's my investment strategy going to be? And our response is usually we need to dive into your risk a little bit because everybody's different. Everyone has different goals and, and it's hard for us to determine concise investment strategy for somebody if we don't know their risk. And after we get into that and decide an investment strategy, then we talk about your goals because you have to invest for something. You could be investing for inheritance. You want to leave a, a lot of money to your kids or you want to sustain your, your income in retirement. Or maybe you want to spend every last dime that you have and, until the day you die and make your last check bounce. I know that's what you're planning to there, do, right? There you go. I mean, I've already said, hey, my kids are on their own, Kate. Sorry to inform you if you haven't been <laughs> informed yet, but you know, figure it out. I had to do it. Um, my dad, your grandpa, yeah, is going to leave me the horses, uh, apparently, which his, all of his good horses have already died. So I'm going to be left with those that might end up costing me money to take care of them. Yep. Leaving you the liability horses. The liabilities. But hey, he loves it. That's what he loves uh, to do. I imagine you'll do the same for me. So yeah, somebody's got to take care of it. Yep. Yeah, yes. so the, the strategy or the, the process is we have a few questions that we ask clients. We go into this software and there's only about five questions that we ask, but some people take about 30 seconds to do it and others take about 30 minutes. It really depends on, on you and, and how sure you are of what you want your retirement to look like and how much volatility you can handle. And oftentimes we get someone that will do their score and say they scored a 40, which is relatively low. It goes from one to 99, but then they tell us that they're young, they're wanting to grow their assets as much as they possibly can. They want to leave a bunch of money for their kids. They want to save up for their kids to go to college and their risk score doesn't match what their goals are. That's not realistic. You can't you can't have these heavy goals and have such a low risk tolerance. You have to take on some more risk if you want that high reward. And that's why you might hear people say low risk, low reward, or high risk, high reward. And don't get me wrong. We're not saying high risk is something like cryptocurrency, which I know you wanted to mention, or something like penny stocks. That's, that's good companies that have earnings, that have a track record. Some are just in nature more aggressive because of the industry they're in or maybe how they decide to run their business. We choose right. to talk about Tesla fairly often. That scores high on the risk scale, but it's 
proven to be a fairly good company over the last yeah. almost decade. Right. Where are they at on the, uh, they're what, a 99K? They're a 99. They're the highest, oh, the that, highest that risk goes. profile that we talk about. There's obviously a lot of investments that go way beyond our metrics. You know, as we're talking about risk, some people think, well, I define that as losing all my money. And really that's not the type of risk that we are dealing with. We don't define it as going to the casino and putting it on red or black or, or go more appropriately going to the racetrack and putting it on the seven horse to win. You could win big, you could lose it all in those scenarios. With investing the way we map out portfolios, that's not what we're talking about. Of course, there's going to be volatility. There's going to be pullbacks like we're seeing today. But for the long-term investor, the patient investor, they were rewarded with profitable gains over the long term. We're just talking about equity markets, what they've averaged over a long period of time. So staying with that and the theme of what is your risk score, knowing that if you took the S&P 500, the most widely followed, most common index in the U.S. equity market, that measures, what is it, 74? 74 or 75. It depends on the day and what the market's doing. So really, a 74 or 75 risk score means that you're comfortable investing in all equities or a, a broad basket of equities like that. Now, when we're dealing with small companies or international stocks or emerging market stocks, of course, the risk profile goes up. But Tesla is a good example. It's interesting to think the, the perception of Tesla as a company, as an investment. Just five years ago, I would say most people would have looked at that company as excessively risky. Unknown, high-flying CEO. Most people would agree he's very, very smart, but an unknown, right? And most people who are thinking about electric cars were thinking, yeah, this is just for the elite few who can afford it or that are really interested in trying to do something for the planet. Well, take Tesla today. The market cap of Tesla is $659 billion. The next largest automaker in market cap weighting is Toyota at $193 billion. Now think about the two big companies here in the United States that have been making cars for a hundred years almost, General Motors and Ford. General Motors market cap is $60 billion. Ford market cap is $51 billion. How in the world did Tesla in about 10 years bypass every one of those companies and become the number one automaker in the world? And not even it's not even close. They're at, these these major companies are a tenth the size of Tesla. So obviously he's doing something right. He's built something that people want. Now of course there's a lot of investors who are thinking about the future, but that's with all great companies, Amazon, Apple. I mean, all of these companies had excessive price earnings ratios. People were thinking they were expensive. Uh, just think about Apple, for example. Warren Buffett didn't want to touch any of these kind of companies. He wouldn't have thought about investing in Apple years ago. Now it's his largest holding in Berkshire Hathaway. 
So it takes time sometimes for these valuations to fulfill themselves, but good companies do. So it's kind of going back to that risk profile. Will Tesla always be a 99? Probably not. If their earnings continue to grow, improve, increase, Tesla risk score probably comes down. And it's just kind of the same way with with all companies that have been able to be sustainable over time. Yeah. And what we do is when someone gets a risk score, we don't just pick one stock that's the same risk score and put all their money into that stock. That's that's not a smart way to do things. We want to blend it out. So we have about what 16 different models now. We just added one or two. And they go from conservative all the way up to more on the aggressive side. And we don't even have a model that is in the 90s. Our, our highest scoring model is an 82. And we have some that are more bond oriented, some that are ETFs, which is an exchange traded fund. We've got mutual fund models. And then we have all stock models, which will be on the more aggressive side. And we want to blend people out. So people will be sitting there and they'll ask us, well, what do, what do people score that are like me or the same age as me? And the answer is that it really depends on your goals. It depends on, on what you want to do with your assets, not only now, but when you retire. So maybe if you're looking at retirement, your score might be between 60 and 70. In nature, it's going to go down over time as you get older because you're getting closer to retirement. And you want to maybe preserve that principal value. You don't want to risk having a market drop and you're taking out money and then it's hard to recover that principal. Yeah, good point. Good point. And it, we've had a lot of cases where people don't understand their risk profile. It, it doesn't even come close to matching their portfolio. We can think of a few of those. It you does. Know. Yeah, we have an example actually that just happened less than a month ago. We had a client, we've worked with her for a long time and, and these two kids, they got inheritance from their father and they decided to just leave the money with, with his advisor, just had a good sales pitch and they thought, Hey, my dad used him. I might as well stick with him. And then come to find out we got, we got their statements and took a look at them and it's, it was through the roof risky, something that we've never seen before. You're talking about shorting the NASDAQ. Shorting means that you're betting on it to go down rather than up. And and when it's got a long-term track record of being positive. Yeah, the then- risk on shorting is far and away higher than buying and holding on the long side. So when you're going mm-hmm. short, you're saying, hey, I'm betting it, that asset's going to drop in value. But theoretically, an asset could go up forever. It can only go to zero, but it can go up forever. Mm-hmm. There's way more risk on shorting and taking a big bet. I mean, those are huge bets that people are taking. Yep. Shorting uh, oil and gas as well. All of these extremely risky investments. And and to top it off, he was marking all of these orders as unsolicited. And for those of you who don't know, that means that you, the client, are telling the advisor to make that trade. So he's he's marking unsolicited, saying that these people are telling me to buy these, and then I'm going to sell them and mark up all of these different trades, and and give myself a fee. He's basically taking that opportunity to to buy and sell, understanding that they restrict advisors from being able to sell those. 
unsolicited, meaning if, if he were to do that on a discretionary basis, he would be fined. These are not transactions that are authorized by any large brokerage firm. So we just found out that the the risk profile did not even come close to matching after we walked them through their risk score, asking them the questions they were so far off. Long story short, they've ended up moving those accounts over to us for management at this point. But just kind of talking a little bit more about risk. When people get complacent and they start to think that that returns are going to be forever going up and increasing, that's when you, you find that the risk is the highest. And when returns are promising. So lots of cases in history, you can think about the Oh, the housing boom in the 2007, 8, 9, you know, before the collapse in 08 and 09. You can think about the oil boom. You can think about even going back hundreds of years to the tulip bulb boom. We call it tulip mania. And we've talked about that before. But I, I like to mention that because of the, it's just the, the silliness of it all. Looking back on that and how we would perceive tulip bulbs in our day and age, I mean, we must think of them as half crazy to to be putting their entire life fortune in something like that but those things repeat themselves you know and we're looking at people who are buying coins digital coins that they can't feel or touch and doing the same type of thing same type of scenario those coins provide no shelter they provide no earnings there's no dividend payout there's no employees or buildings behind them you know, we're not talking about a business that actually has some assets underneath it. We're talking about a digital currency. Yes, you can use it to buy and sell, but you can also use a lot of things to buy and sell, including dollars, including gold, if you want to go into those barter type scenarios. But all you're really doing with cryptocurrencies is betting that someone else is going to come along and pay more for it than you did. And that's really bottom line. It's like a baseball card. Baseball cards don't provide you anything other than the the knowledge of knowing that you have it. Now, at least a baseball card, you can look at it and touch it. And crypto doesn't even offer that. So, you know, those are just some of the speculative issues that we see in the world. But people get complacent. They start wanting to buy. They start wanting to run those prices up. And then they get way too in over their head. There's a there's an advertisement that drives me crazy. I was li I listened to it in my car and I hear it all the time, almost every day, maybe going home or coming to work because I have the satellite radio. And it's so you hear it immediately. You hear these voices talking about don't lose your shirt in Wall Street. Come to Carnivore Trading where we make 300% returns. And we're finding great new strategies right now. Jump in line and get the share that you deserve. Carnivore trading, the lions of Wall Street. And I'm amazed at their ability to make those statements and the, the trade commission to allow that to be even aired. Communications commission, the agents, the government regulators that allow these things to go on air. Now, of course, they have their standard little language at the end. Trade carefully. Trading can involve risk. Of course, that's just, you know, throwing out the glad hand statement that everyone does. But the 
the statement's already been made. People are all of a sudden thinking, hey, I can make 300% with these guys in a year when the S&P 500 lost 20%. So does that sound realistic? I hope the answer you have in your mind is absolutely not. Just for fun, I ran the numbers here. So if you have $10,000 with carnivore trading, I hate to even use their name, give them any more publicity, but if you put $10,000 and had a 300% return for 10 years, only 10 years, your 10,000 would turn into $10,485,000,000. Now for fun, we want to look even 20 years. I went 20 years instead of just the 10 years. So your 10,000 turned into let's see, 10 quadrillion, 995 trillion, 116 billion, 277 million dollars. Excuse me, we're almost in the home stretch for the episode. But before we cross the finish line, I just want you to know that you can contact Billy and his team at www.petersonws.com or by visiting the show notes. Now, back to harnessing your wealth. I didn't even know what a quadrillion was, but now I do. And so that's how you can get it, Kate, if you make 300% return on your money for 20 years straight, starting with basically nothing. So that's jump in. Know. Yeah. I wonder what the risk score is of their I'd strategy. Probably pretty moderate. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty low. Reasonable. Anyway, I, I love I love these stories. I like I like to uh talk about it when when risk gets complacent. We've been there, we've been in the periods of time when everyone gets comfortable and they don't seem to think there's any risk. And then we get in periods when there's a lot of volatility and there's so much negative news out there. And of course we have the Russia Ukraine situation and daily issues with that. Now China getting involved and they're going to go meet with Russia. So there's <laughs> conversations about nuclear and everyone starts to get concerned. What do people want to do when they get concerned? They want to go to cash or they want to go to treasuries. I've never heard more Wall Street guys talk about buying treasuries than I've than I've here today. It's interesting to me. We have markets down, and we have long term investors who should be using these opportunities to acquire and accumulate. In my opinion, if they have long term money, and these folks talk about buying treasuries, buying long term treasuries because that's all they can find value in. So, you know, that's just the soup of the day. I call it what. What do people want to hear? And all these folks do is tell people what they want to hear. That's not going out of a limb. That's not giving good advice, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, and that's why all those points you brought up with what the Fed's doing with inflation, with all of these different threats or what's going on in Ukraine. That's why we measure the short-term volatility with this questionnaire. We ask people, based on a six-month window, would this volatility make you nervous? Would this downside make you want to sell? And if the answer is, yeah, then we want to lower the bar. And then your average annual return for the long term is going to be lower than if you're more comfortable with the short-term volatility. And people will say, oh yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Not worried about it. They might say that during a good market, but then as soon as the market starts to drop, things start to turn, then that mindset changes quite a bit. And, and they might be calling us saying, I don't know about being an investor anymore. It's huge. You know, we've seen the, the folks that come in, they're getting ready to retire. They bring in their statement for their 401k or their retirement plan. And they're, they've been working for 30 or 40 years 
and their money's piled into a government securities fund. And being local here with the Hill Air Force Base crew, we see that all the time. So many people retire from Hill Air Force Base or another uh, government entity that those are the main options. You know, they only give you five or six options. But so many people get fixated on just that safety of principle and keeping everything fixed that they miss out on tremendous amount of upside in in what they could have. And and I think the worst thing people do is they don't get advice early enough. And I think it's one of the most critical parts in this entire landscape is for investors to start early and to get some advice early rather than just keep trucking along for 10 or 20 years doing the same thing and assuming that you're doing it right. You have to yeah, find some people you trust in. That's really why we do this financial boot camp that we have coming up here a month from today, actually. So yeah. we just got an updated website. If you guys have any high school or college age kids that want some financial guidance, then go to our website and have them sign up. It's all free. It's at Weber State University. It's going to be awesome. I think a lot it's gonna... of cool speakers, local professionals that have done very well in their career. We'll hear from them and you'll hear from us as well. So if you have any kids or nieces, nephews, let them know. What's that date? The 21st of March. 21st of March. 8 a.m. to about 2 p.m. Weber State. Going to be a great day. You know, I was look, helping my daughter Kaya with her, what is it, trigonometry mm-hmm. yesterday. Cade was also trying to help her, and then he got frustrated and left. <laughs> but I was helping her last night, and I'm thinking, and she asked me the question, Dad, when am I ever going to use this? And my immediately, my immediate thought was, Kai, you're probably never going to use this. But then I thought, but you are going to use financial literacy concepts. You are going to need that every day of your life almost. And so there you go. I, I really think it's so critical that kids learn basic financial smart habits and discipline. That's going to set them on the right path for the rest of their life. Trigonometry, they use it, they learn it, and it's probably a good thing just to kind of struggle through to understand the mathematics of it all. But truthfully, I think less than 1% of students are going to ever use that stuff. So um, I just thought I'd share that. Last thing I was going to say about this is just start small, but the doubling periods are important. So again, matching your risk score for the appropriate outcome is what you what you want to be thinking about. Not just keeping my portfolio stable from fluctuation, but think about what my outcome, what do I want the money to do for me? What am I looking for? And then you match up, you can kind of get a little bit broader perspective on what your money is needing to do. There's a story of a young girl in India many years ago. Some of you have probably heard this. Her name's Rani. And she lives in a small community. And there's a Raja there who's kind of like the the chief, the the head honcho of the province, of the province, excuse me. And he requires all of the local farmers to pay him rice out of their farms every year. So he collects most of their rice. He leaves them enough to feed their families for a year. And he collects most of it, telling them that he's going to store it for the entire community and keep it safe for everybody in the event that they ever needed it. So they go along like this for many years and he continues to collect the rice and store up huge warehouses of the rice. 
well, time comes and goes and then there's a famine and no rice is grown and all the residents are needing food. And they ask him to send rice out of his stores to feed all the people in the province. And he declined and says, I don't know how long the famine's going to last. I need to keep this rice for myself. I don't want to go hungry. And of course, so he goes against his promise. Now you think about how you can apply a lot of this in uh, the world today, but just bear with me for a minute while I finish this story. So the young girl, Ronnie, is walking along and sees one day that the Raja has two elephants that's carrying two huge bushels of rice back to his kingdom for him and all of his royal guests to have a big party. Of course, they can continue the lifestyle that they want, but no one else can. So one of these elephants has this bushel and the rice is falling out. And she runs up and collects some of the rice that's falling out, goes to the to the Raja and says, I found this, I'm, going, I'm bringing it back. We, he felt like that was a great gesture on her part. So he agrees to honor her one wish and ask her what could he possibly do to repay her for being honest. And she says, I would just like one grain of rice. He laughs and says, well, of course, you certainly we could offer something more than that. And she says, okay, excellency, how about we do this? How about you, you give me one grain of rice today and then every day for 30 days, you double what you gave me the previous day. So one grain today, two grains tomorrow, four grains and eight grains and so on. Well, he obviously chuckles a little more and says, well, okay, if, if that's all you want, we'll make sure it's done, but thank you. So she moves on and each day, one of his servants delivers the rice to her. And over a course of 20 days, on the 20th day, she's presented with 16 bags of rice. And of course, a bag holds quite a few grains of rice. We'll go down to the 29th day, and she's presented with two huge royal storehouses of rice. On the 30th and final day, it took 256 elephants to carry the contents of four entire storehouses, which was 536,870,912 grains of rice. Now, if you add everything up, just in these short 30-day doubling periods, she collected over a billion grains of rice and actually owned all the rice in the community. So the Raja was left with nothing and she had it all. I think it's a fascinating story to start with very little and continue to, let's say, invest and double your account in a short period of time. It can amount to a lot. So that's the final thought I had on making sure that your risk matches your profile and the desired outcome that you're looking for. Thank you for joining both Kate and I today. We hope that some of these comments made sense to you. You can take and apply those in your life with your investment portfolio, help your kids if you can, teach them the concepts of smart money habits, and invite them up to our bootcamp. I think they're going to learn a lot. This is our eighth year doing it. So it's a great experience. You can reach us on our new website, as Kate mentioned, petersonws.com. Reach out, ask any questions of us, and we'd love to hear your comments and thoughts. Until next time, we're going to have a great episode with a world-renowned veterinarian. You won't want to miss it. You guys take care out there. 
Thank you for listening to Harnessing Your Wealth with Billy Peterson. Before we declare the race official, please click the follow button so you can be notified when new episodes become available. For more information about today's show, please check out the show notes. Visit our website at www.petersonws.com or give us a call at 801-475-4002. Once again, thank you for listening. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Peterson Wealth Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.